Hey, why don't we sing? I want you to sing this line. For the Lord is good and His love endures. Yes, the Lord is good forever. And as we sing, people will come in. And I shout it out from the mountain tops. Yes, the Lord is good forever. talk to you about praise this afternoon. And it's really, it's really interesting. I think there's a new anointing for praise. There's a brand new anointing for praise. I felt it last night. I felt it coming into this conference, and I feel it going over New Zealand. And somebody's got to rise from here to here when it comes to praise. We've talked about praise a lot in our church, in Equipus Church, right? There's a, we have a big praise culture, but I feel like there's something brand new, brand new about praise. The only praise, this is what I'm calling it, I'm entitling the session, Praise, the only weapon for the mature and discerning Christian. If the guys can put up the slides now, you'll see it. The only weapon for the mature and discerning Christian. For the Lord is good and His love endures. Yes, the Lord is good forever. And I'll shout it from the mountaintops. Yes, the Lord is good forever. Because He is good, we can praise. Because He is good, we can praise. Because He is good, we can praise. Through the tough times, because He is good, we can praise. It's really simple. And we need to shout it from the mountaintops. We need to shout praise from the mountaintops so people will know who it is that is sustaining us through tough times. 
We've got so used to doing praise in church, we don't do praise outside of church, and then no one knows who to give credit to because they don't see us praising out in the world because we think praise is just for in church where we do this. There's a new anointing for praise outside of the church walls. If you can give praise to God to your non-Christian friends, to your non-Christian family in front of them, they will see something in you that's different to the rest of the world, that's different to when everybody else is going through stuff. I'm gonna talk to you a lot about praise. Give God a praise and take a seat. I feel like there's a new day coming. There's a new day of maturity when we learn to praise God through every situation because praise is a weapon. Praise is our weapon. Praise is our weapon of choice for the mature and discerning Christian. It sounds really elegant, but it ain't. David's praise was anything but elegant, prancing around in his undies. It's something that, but it's only the mature Christian that I feel can praise in the middle of a hard time. Yeah? Because it's easy, it's easy to worship when you're going through a hard time. Because worship, you can just do, right? And we get that picture often of people worshiping during a hard time. But you try and praise during a hard time. It's hard to put a smile on your face when you don't feel like it. Therefore, you need the maturity to know how to push through past those feelings, put a smile on your face. Okay, you'll get there. I feel like there's an anointing for praise, for faith to praise at another level, a higher level. Stand and reach into it any time during this session. If you feel at any time during this session that God is calling you into a higher level of praise, I want you to stand up. I want you to feel like you can stand up for a couple of seconds, you can stand up for the rest of the time, but I feel like there needs to be a standing, like I'm reaching into something. There's an anointing and I want you to reach into it. Do you feel free to do that? Anytime you feel like it, just stand. Okay, and my charge to us as worship leaders and praise leaders to bring our churches and our congregations to a high level of praise as mature believers. We are worship leaders. We are praise leaders. Yes? We're not, I mean, we are worshipers and we learn to praise. It's gotta start with us, but actually I wanna charge you as leaders to go back to your churches and lead the whole church to a level of faith, to a new level of faith where they can praise through stuff. All right, and I'm going to start in a really weird place, and that is Psalm 22. You look at that picture and think, when you think you're having a bad day. Here's the problem. Psalm 22 is a weird place to start talking about about, uh, praise. Because it starts with, God, my God, why would you abandon me now? You know, in another translation, in most translations, it says, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know who said that? Jesus on the cross. Thousand years before, David writes this psalm, quotes exactly Jesus. In fact, this whole psalm is a prophetic portrait of Jesus on the cross. There are 33 verses in this psalm alone that are prophetic to what exactly happened on the crucifixion on that day. That's, that's something amazing. Doesn't it seem strange that, God, that David would quote exactly that line? God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It starts with, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with, it is finished. It lines like, with a toss of dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. That's pretty darn specific. 
for writing a psalm a thousand years before it happens. It's, a, it's definitely a prophetic picture of Jesus on the cross. And so it starts, this, it starts with this verse. Why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Anybody ever felt like that? Oh, come on. Thank you, one honest person. Who's gone before God during their hard times and said exactly that? Where are you? I can't stop crying. My heart is crying out to you. Why do you remain distant? Where are you, Lord? That's the problem that we have. That's what we're feeling. And if anybody felt that, Jesus felt it. You did not go through what Jesus went through, and you will not go through what Jesus went through. There's nothing, no problem that you can face that's gonna be as tough as that guy looking at you from that cross. And here's the solution. Right after that verse, yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. That's weird. Like the most distraught prayer. God, where are you? We've, you know what that feels like. To go before him when your heart is breaking and you're crying out and going, Lord, where are you? My kids, my problems, my, my finances, my broken heart, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, all this, my sin, all that stuff that we struggle with and this depression is trying to get on us. And yet Jesus, who goes through that day there, who, who feels, who has all the reason in the world to be able to express that prayer. And don't get me wrong, there is a time for lamentation. There is a time to express vulnerability, to express that, to express your, your heart, honest truth. Jesus said, God is, he's looking, for, the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. So there's a time to be truthful, but don't camp there. Move on then. If Jesus can say, hey, yet I know that you are the most holy, it's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. <laughs> Solution continues. Our Father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted and believed in you, and you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. What is he doing? What is he doing right there? He's convincing himself, he's reminding himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Praise and worship is us reminding ourselves that God is good and he has helped us in the past. So I love this because it's our Father's faith was in you. Through the generations they trusted in you. You have no idea what generations have done before you to set you up for your life now. You have no idea who was believing in your, in your past legacy. You have no idea that God saw that father, that grandfather, that great-grandfather. You, you have no idea who in your past generations has been praying and praising through situations that God has used their praise to set you up right now. And doesn't it make sense that if they set you up and God has been working for thousands of years before you got here, that you can then make a stand in the line, stand up for your future generations. If you can be, what are they gonna remember you for? You think 70 years is not that long a time here on this planet. If you think God has been around for a long, long time, since the beginning of man himself, God has been working with human beings, I think he's got us figured out by now. Do you think that you're gonna be the one that he drops the ball on? 
So he's worked with psychopaths, he's worked with perverts, he's worked with ridiculous people, he's worked with depressed people, mental people, disabled people, he's worked with all kinds of people, with all kinds of problems, emotional, physical, mental, he's worked with everybody. He knows how to figure us out and get us from step one to step two to step three. He is the author of our salvation. He is the perfecter of our faith. He knows how to work you out. So if he knows how to work you out, then shouldn't you trust him for what he's done in the past? And therefore, shouldn't you be the guy that sorts out your future generations? If you feel that, stand to your feet and start start lifting up a praise now to say, hey, for my future generations, I'm gonna praise God through my hard times. I am going to praise God through these hard times. I'm sowing a seed into the future. I'm sowing a seed into future generations. My grandchild, my great-grandchildren, they're going to know that their great-grandfather, their great-grandmother stood and made a stood and made a stand in the sand. Here's the problem. Mocked by their jeers, the Psalm 22 goes on, despised with their sneers, as all the people poked fun at me, spitting their insults, saying, is this the one who trusted in God? Remember, this is a thousand years before Jesus. Is this the one who claims God is pleased with him? Now let's see if your God will come to your rescue. We'll just see how much he delights in you. And, and the picture now is of the Pharisees who on that very day were standing there saying, is this the one who could save everybody else, but he can't even save himself? There are always going to be haters. You are going to go through stuff where people just do not like you. Aren't half of our problems just about what people think about us? So many of our problems are just about what people think about us, and yet, his solution, Lord, you delivered me safely from my, I'm not kidding, this is straight after that verse. Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You're the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You've cradled me throughout my days. I've trusted in you. You've always been my God. It started maybe with your, with your past generations. Now we're saying my personal history with God. I remind myself, do not get spiritual amnesia. Bill Johnson says it a great way. Do not hold God to ransom with one unanswered prayer when he's answered 99 others. When you look back on your diet, you look at this time here and say, people are hating me, everything's against me. Lord, why haven't you answered my prayer yet? And yet he said, I answered 99 of them already. Have you forgotten that? And now one unanswered prayer and the answer's just around the corner and you're there whinging at me. Here's, here's, I want you to write this down. The higher the praise, the deeper the worship. The higher the praise, the deeper the worship. It's, it, there's a reason it's called a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. In the old days, I've told this story a lot before. In the old days, you, they didn't need to bring a, 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 a song or a dance. All they needed to bring was a cow. Just bring a cow to the altar. It was a sacrifice. That cow is what we're looking for every Sunday when our people come to church. When you're worship leaders, you're, just, you're not asking for them to sing what they feel. You're asking them to sing what's a sacrifice. You're asking them to bring a sacrifice. Bring your cow. It's not a convenient offering based on what I feel like bringing. Cain did that. 
Cain brought vegetables because they were convenient for him. Every time we walk into church and we go, no, I don't feel like singing that, but I do feel like singing that song because that's soft and nice. That's us bringing what's convenient for us and no sacrifice at all. And we've got to be mature believers, mature praisers, mature people that can say, hey, I know that I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it because why? It changes my perspective. It's for me. It reminds us of what Jesus has done. The bull, the cow is a really interesting thing. The, the, old, the Old Testament guy had no idea what the symbolism meant. We do. We can go to the end of the book and we go, oh yeah, cow, Jesus, sacrifice, altar, blood. We figure that stuff out. They had no idea, therefore it was just a matter of obedience. When he said bring a cow, he meant just bring a cow. The guy just said, okay, I'm just gonna bring a cow. He didn't feel like bringing a cow, he just did it because he was told to bring a cow. If he rocked up and said, hey, here's, uh, I'm here to worship, and the priest said, yeah, where's your cow? And the guy said, no, I didn't bring a cow because that's not how I roll, man. The priest is like, God didn't ask for how you roll. He asked for a cow. Bring a cow. Praise is amazing because it destroys four things. You, you, you ready? It destroys pride. It destroys guilt. It destroys laziness. And it destroys forgetfulness. It addresses pride, it addresses guilt, it addresses laziness, it, it addresses forgetfulness. These are the four things that, people, that, that stop people from entering into praise. If you're having a hard time getting into praise in your church and getting your church to address those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on Psalm 22, the problem. Won't you come quickly to my rescue? Give me back my life. Save me from this violent death. Save my precious one and only from the power of these demons. Save me from all the power of the enemy, from this roaring lion raging against me and the power of his dark horde. We need to realize there's a spiritual realm. There's a spiritual realm influencing us. The more you sow into the spirit, the more you will be influenced. Either way. Oh, come on. The more you sow into the spirit, the more you will be influenced by that spirit. That works both ways. If you agree with the devil and his lies, the more his demonic spirits will be able to influence your life. Be careful with what you declare. Be careful with what you think. Be careful with what you say. Be careful with what you post on Facebook. Because all that stuff is you either agreeing with God or agreeing with the devil. When hard times come against you, are you going to agree with the devil and say, yeah, life sucks, even though we're doing it in a, in a posture of worship? Oh, Jesus, life sucks. This, this life that you paid so dearly for still sucks. Come on. I know I'm getting some demons right now because I can see us. I can see so many churches, people walking in, feeling what they feel, agreeing with it all the way through worship. And then they walk out still carrying the same thing. We're not, supposed to walk, we're not supposed to walk out the same way we walk in. You're supposed to walk out a different door. You're supposed to walk in with that stuff, lay it at the feet of Jesus, and then walk out again a new person. I'm a new creation. Otherwise, who are we exalting? You've got to realize if the demonic spirits are there and they're, and they're lying to you, 
then if we don't stand up against them with the opposite spirit to say, no, stuff you devil, I don't care what it looks like because God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his love endures forever. Therefore, I will praise him with a smile on my face. The solution, I will praise your name before all my brothers as my people gather. I will praise you in their midst. Lovers of Yahweh, praise him. Let all the true seed of Jacob glorify him with your praises. Stand in awe of him, all you princely people, the offspring of Israel. Man, these are, this is like immediately after he's just talked about the darkness of the horde of demons from hell itself. And then he says, I praise your name before all my brothers and my people gather. I will praise you in their midst. Lovers of Yahweh, praise him. Look at that face and think about Jesus in his spirit returning into heaven saying, lovers of Yahweh, praise him. I feel prophetically you have much warfare to fight and win. If we can grasp this as a church in New Zealand, as churches in New Zealand, as the body of Christ in New Zealand, if we can grasp the power of praise, can you imagine the power of praise in the Spirit? What it's going to do over this country. There are so many churches that are giving in to the this, this spirit of self-indulgent worship that we've just got to break it by exalting Christ, by exalting his name, by putting God above ourselves, above our indulgence, above our feelings, above all that stuff. Exaltation and exaltation to the name of Jesus, the lamb that was slain. There's a reason why when it gets to Revelation 4 and 5, it, it describes Jesus in two ways. One is the lion of Judah, and two is the lamb that was slain. When I read that, I was like, that's a bit odd. And then there appeared the Lion of Judah. I was like, yeah, awesome. The Lion of Judah. And then it says the Lamb that was slain. And then it it actually said a, a weird way. It said, and then there appeared a Lamb that looked like it had been slain. That's weirdly specific. Why? Because if it didn't tell us what he had done, we would not know what he had done. There's a reason we can enter into the throne room of heaven now because of the lamb that was slain. If he wasn't slain, he wouldn't have made the sacrifice. We wouldn't be able to enter into his presence. It's important to recognize what Jesus has done. There's a whole bunch of people who are recognizing him as the Lion of Judah but are not actually recognizing what he's done. That's what we need to do. We're saying, yeah, Jesus, you are the lion, you're cool, but that does no good for me when I come into my, when I enter into worship feeling guilty. Don't, don't, just, don't just say praise Jesus and then act as though it doesn't affect you in any way. It's important what he has done. See, it's easy to walk in and go, Jesus, you are exalted, but I'm still a wretch. It's not not until you say, but Jesus, I recognize that you are the lamb that was slain, therefore I don't have to be a wretch anymore. Are you starting to get what I'm saying here? When you start to recognize, hey, no, I am a prince of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am now righteous. I am now holy. I don't have to give in to those feelings. I don't have to walk into his presence feeling wretched and guilty. I can now walk in feeling whole and full of righteousness. 
Isn't that reason then to stand up and praise? What problem do you have that could combat that truth? I am covered in righteousness now. I have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I have the grace of God that is sufficient for me. Man, I spent, I spent so many years praising Jesus and still feeling like broken and wretched. I don't want anybody else to feel that. I think it's time we stood up and made a difference. I feel it's time we stood up and made it. And everybody with a low self-esteem should be standing up right now. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a chance. Everybody who doesn't think of themselves as a true son of God should be standing up right now. You should be reaching into something. Why? Because it's your feelings that are telling you you are lower than what you are. It's not fact. The fact is Jesus died for you. Jesus gave his life for you, which means you were worthy. You were worth it for him to come. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good. I want you to take this, and because you, you took a stand of faith, you're reaching into something now, God is downloading something to say, never again will I sit down and push myself down lower. Why? Because Jesus has paid too big a price for you to be able to stand up on your feet and receive all that he's given for you. He died for you. Don't let the enemy take that away with your lies. Fight back. Fight back. Psalm 22 goes on, for, he's, for he hasn't despised my cries of deep despair. He's my first responder to my sufferings. He didn't look the other way when I was in pain. He was there all the time. This is a promise of one who feels everything we go through. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is not heartless. He holds every tear. There was one time and I was like, where, is, where are you, God? And I, and I didn't know where he was. And I cried and cried and cried and cried, and, I, and I, I, couldn't, I just couldn't find him. I was waiting for him to come and give me some kind of sense of his presence with me, his assurance. And, and I remember just crying and crying, and, and he just, nothing. I got nothing. And I felt, God, what, how heartless can you be? I got back in my car, and then I went, I went home, went to sleep. The next day was Sunday, so I went to church. When I went to church, um, I, I was just there in my heart feeling like, God, I can't believe you just, you couldn't answer me when I was crying out to you with so much pain, right? And I said, I, I mean, somebody preached, I, I don't even remember what they said. I didn't hear the sermon, I didn't hear anything. All I, all I could think about was, God, why aren't you there? You say you're there, but you're not there. I can't feel you, I don't feel any compassion, I don't feel anything from you, where are you? And so right at the end of the service, Pastor Bruce got up and said, hey, we're, we're you know, closing down, but if you like prayer, come on up. So I thought, oh, okay, awesome, I'm going to go up. And I'm like feeling hurt inside, like God really let me down. And so I, I go up to that just for prayer. It wasn't for any particular altar call. They just said, come up for prayer. So I'm up there for prayer, and I'm waiting. And then this, this lady in our church who's super prophetic jumps up immediately. As soon as she saw me, she got up, came over to me, and I was like, oh, awesome, it's Kim. Right, because she's really super prophetic. Ah, oh, Kim's here, yes, she's, she'll have a word. So she gets up to me, she comes to pray, bursts into tears and runs away. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I ask you for help, you give me nothing. Somebody comes to, to pray for me and you make her cry and run away. 
three times. Three times she did that. She came up to pray, and then she just burst into tears and, and went and sat down again. I'm like, come on. Why would you do that? It's fair enough that you don't want me. You don't want to come see me. You don't want to come and give me assurance. But why are you making somebody else run away? Bruce closed the service down. He was like, yeah, okay, thanks, everybody. See you at lunch. See you I'm like, awesome. So I'm walking back, you know, like, sad as. And just as I'm walking past Kim, she reaches out to me. She's going to go, wait, 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 wait. She composed herself and said, wait, 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 wait. She said, she got up and said, as soon as you came up, I felt God's heart for you, and I, and I knew I needed to come and pray for you. And as soon as I, get, I opened my mouth to pray, all that could come out was tears and crying because that's what he's doing. He's not heartless. He cries with you. He walks with you through every one of those trials. But for that reason, he does that because he knows that there needs to be an expression then of your assurance, your assurance that he's there with you. Even now, right, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really tempted to, to, to go into like a real, a real sad sob story time now and have an altar call. I bet if I had an altar call for hard times and crying and, you know, and you've broken hearts, I'd get everywhere, I'd get heaps of people up here. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I don't want you to camp in the sad space. I want you to move out of that sad space to a point of joy, of gladness, of praise. Why? Because the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His mercy endures forever. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. Some of you, we've sung the song. My response will always be to praise. And then we walk out of here and we forget that promise as soon as the first sign of trouble hits us. Why don't you stick to your word? I will always choose to praise. We sing that three times a day. At Shout Conference, we're singing that all the time. And yet when we come, when it hits us, when we need it the most, we're like, oh, God, where are you? I thought you said you always choose to praise. Why? Because it's only the mature believer, the discerning Christian, that can truly choose to praise and put aside his feelings. Man, we got, shut up, I got lots to get through. I will invite the poor and broken and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. Your hearts will, I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. I will invite the poor and broken. Praise in your life will be your greatest witness to others. This is the point of this. If you're poor and broken, what difference is there between you and the rest of the world? (laughs) If you're poor and broken and you look poor and broken and you're constantly wearing poor and broken over your Christian face, what difference is there between you and the next guy who's a non-Christian? There's got to be a look on your face that says, hey, I have a Jesus that loves me. I have a God who is faithful that he can sustain me through every hard time. Jesus is our high priest that understands our weaknesses. He can relate to us. He can have empathy for us. There's no one that understands your problem like someone else that has gone through the same thing. Jesus went through the same thing for you. Therefore, he understands you. He can have empathy, right? You go through stuff so that you can have empathy on other people. 
so that you can be Jesus for someone else, especially for non-Christians. Man, if you can show that, if, if a non-Christian comes to work, he doesn't believe in your God, but he's going through a hard time, he's finding it emotionally difficult, but he sees you knowing you're going through similar stuff, except you've got a smile on your face and a deep assurance that something's going on, that you've got a God that looks after you. Oh my gosh. From the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Every nation will come and worship Him. What an amazing witness we can be as the church if we learn to praise God, if we learn to go into another level of praise. From the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember, return to the Lord. Every nation will come and worship Him. His spiritual seed shall serve Him. Future generations. Here's this picture. That's our current picture of praise and worship. I looked for praise, for praise pictures. This is what I could find most of the time. Praise is more powerful than we know. Praise brings a new perspective. Praise as opposed to worship. Why? Because of what I said before. We carry pain into worship. We worship God in all the flowy, soft songs. And then then we take that same pain out with us. We can go into worship feeling sorry for ourselves and work out, walk out still feeling sorry for ourselves. Where's the praise in that? Where's the belief in that? More importantly, where's the faith in that? Oh my gosh. There's that picture again of us, of us in worship. And we've, I'm not, I'm, there's no judgment. I'm sure she, she's beautiful. She has a heart after God. But it was so easy for us to bring our hard times to God and actually exalt our situation above God's ability to change it. I need to say that again. We can bring our hard times to God in worship and we can exalt our situation above God's ability to change it. We can make ourselves seem the honorable worshiper sometimes. We're laying down our lives before God, like really noble, like, oh God, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. (laughs) And we make ourselves look like we're the ones being glorified. We're forgetting that He laid down His life for us so we can live in victory, not defeat. It has to end in a thank you or a praise you. Not a, oh, I'm so, I'm so awesome for praising you through my hard time. Oh, I need you to hear that. Thank you, one clap. I need you to hear it. I know it's a hard word, but we have to hear the truth. We have to start teaching the truth. We cannot glorify ourselves above God. We can't go, oh, Lord, I am so awesome with so much faith praising you through my hard time, and then we look like it to everybody else. Look at me. I'm worshiping God while I'm going through a difficult time. Am I speaking some truth? It has to end in a thank you or a praise you or a lifting up of his name above your situation, above the circumstances. His name needs to be exalted. It needs to come out of your mouth. This is important. It needs to come out of your mouth. If you can learn to do this in church, you can learn to do it outside of church. When you're going through a hard time and you're walking and you're praying and you're saying, Lord Jesus, you are exalted above this situation. Your name is higher than every other name. You are sovereign above every other situation. Every demonic spirit that's coming against me, I come against you in the name of Jesus and I exalt your name above. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what's going on. You are exalted. You are sovereign. You are Lord of all lords and you hold my destiny in your hands. 
Are you feeling this? You've got to learn to pray by yourself. You've got to learn to pray by yourself, for yourself and for others. If you can't do that, what good are you? How's it going to help you to help others if you can't even look after yourself? (laughs) It's got to come out of our mouth, right? This picture of you, I, I just felt prophetically that was right because it's outside. This is not in church. This is you by yourself in a field outside praying for your situation, praying for the lives of your families, praying for the lives of your friends, praying for every situation that's around you, and out of your mouth come praises. Not sob story, not, not oh Lord, help me, help me, help me, pity me, pity me, pity me, but praises. Praises, why? Because we create worlds with our words. And we can either agree with the devil and agree with the hard times, or we can and continue to wallow in them. And that's what we show to the world. That's what everybody sees on your face. Or we can agree with God and exalt his name above every circumstance, every negative feeling, every sin situation. Don't you realize that behind every situation, there is a demonic spirit trying to find a way to influence you for bad? It's trying to lie to you. There's a demonic spirit trying to lie to you. You think about every bad situation, every tough situation you come up against, Don't see the circumstance and look beyond it to the Spirit. Try and recognize the Spirit that's there lying to you. It's trying to get you to believe the biggest of lies. You know what that lie is? That you are out of God's reach. Somehow your sin is beyond the reach of the blood of Christ. That's what he's trying to lie to you about. Somehow he's trying to get you to believe that his mercy does not endure forever that His grace is not enough for you, that it's enough for everybody else, but not for you. He's trying to get you to believe that His love reaches beyond heaven and earth, but it cannot find you. These are lies, and you are believing them. Am I preaching to somebody? You're believing those lies. So what do we do in response to these lies? We praise God. Praise not for the situation, but in the situation. Praise changes perspective. Look at this. Praise Psalm 100. A psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Right? I tried to find some modern praise the other day to play in the car that had joy and gladness and felt joyful. I couldn't find any. You you go looking for some. Look for some praise songs that's got joy and gladness and feels joyful. You know, you know the only stuff? Equipper's Revolution. Other than that, I had to go old school Israel. You ever wonder why Israel stuff was so great? Because it feels great. It makes you feel happy. The other day, I put on a, you know, I was so desperate to find contemporary praise music that made me feel joyful and glad, not morose and cool, <laughs> that I went looking into kids' albums. I thought, surely, if I go find a kids' album, they'll have some kids on it going, yay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I put on this one, ch- this one church's, I won't say who it was, but a church's kids' album, and it was depressing. It was, like, it was like, you know, play me an E minor. Play me an E minor. 
Oh, praise the Lord, all you people. Some, any other chord. Praise the Lord, all you the earth. Praise the Lord, all ye people. Praise His name. Right? I'm singing the words, but everything about it is making me feel sad. I challenge you to go out and find some praise music that does not make you feel sad, that actually makes you feel happy and joyful. Why? Because Psalm 100 says, "For shout to the Lord, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs, not sad songs. Be careful in your church not to follow the way of the world in coolness and artistry and millennialism, moody teenager stuff. Right? The moody teenager stuff. And now, don't get me wrong, I, I, love, I have teenagers. I mean, they're not teenagers anymore. I have cool people. I'm surrounded by cool people all the time, but we've got to be really careful about this moody teenage stuff because they're saying, hey, man, I know we all go through hard times, and it, but, you know, I'm just being authentic. I'm just being authentic when I'm not just, I'm not just doing the happy, clappy thing. And I'm saying, wait, when did the happy, clappy thing become wrong? The happy, clappy thing just became uncool. If I was the devil, I'd be patting myself on the back right now for making happy clappy become uncool. You know what? Screw the devil. Let's get happy. Let's get clappy. Let's put a smile on our face. Let's not be cool. Let's do what David did and dance before the Lord in our undies. Let's start lifting up his name with gladness, lifting up his name with joyfulness, lifting up his name with gladness. Oh, it's good to praise the Lord. Keep it going. It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. Most high, proclaiming your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night. Look, senseless people don't know. Fools don't understand that you, Lord, are forever exalted. Man, I'm not even going to get through, but you're getting the point. I'm not going to get through all this stuff. I've got way too much stuff. If you look at verse after verse after verse, psalm after psalm after psalm, there's just so many of them. And they're all like, vindicate me, O God. Plead my cause and stuff. Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. For yet, this this dude is looking for an excuse to praise Him. He's saying, oh my gosh, yet I will. I'm looking forward to it. Look at this whole whole psalm, right? You can't read that. All of those verses are like, plead my cause, O Lord. Fight against those who fight against me. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor. But then these three little highlighted things, planted halfway through, or a third of the way through, a third of the way through, a third of the way through. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord. And then he says, fierce witnesses rise up, more negative stuff. But then he, he just plots this in again. I will give thanks in the great assembly among the throngs. I will praise you. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the heathen. And I will sing praises to your name outside the church. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the heathen. Among the heathen. Give thanks to the Lord among the heathen. Let them see your face. Let them see your praise. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him. To Him you shall hold fast and take oath in His name. He is your praise. He is your God. Daniel. Daniel with with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was amazing. 
He stood, he stood there and looked over his kingdom and said, look at the kingdom that I've built. And then God struck him and said, uh-uh, you better give some credit right where it's due. And for a bunch of time, the dude was like an animal, lost his senses. It's really funny how, how, God, how God teaches us a lesson. He saw Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He's, he made him look like an idiot. He lost his mind. He would, he would, he's like an animal during the day. When he finally came to his senses, this is what he wrote. Nebuchadnezzar praises God. He says, and at the end of this time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. This is a heathen king. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Don't make God force you to praise. Choose to. God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. When we forget God, we are exalting ourselves above him. We get spiritual amnesia. We think we are where we are because of our wisdom, because of our good choices, because of our discipline and knowledge. It's not. What, what does it do do? The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and His love and just praise destroys pride. It destroys all that stuff. Look at this. Psalm after psalm after psalm. Praise equals maturity. Let me finish on this. Praise equals maturity. Praise that perseveres. Not broken worship, but thankful praise that finds joy in God being enough. He is enough for you. Every single problem that comes against you in your life, God is enough. You've got to convince yourself of that. You've got to lift up His name and convince yourself God is enough. Praise that stands on the sufficiency of Jesus. The sufficiency of Jesus. Praise that exemplifies the difference to everybody else and that leads to evangelism at witness around the planet. Can somebody please praise God in this place? I throw my hands to the sky cause I feel so alive and I want to bring you praise. I throw my hands to the sky cause I feel so alive and I want to bring you praise. I throw my hands to the sky cause I feel so alive and I want to bring you praise. I throw my hands to the sky cause I feel so Jesus' name. You will not steal my praise. 
You will not steal our praise. At the Church of New Zealand, we're going to lift His name above every situation, every situation. Lord, teach us how to praise. Teach us how to praise. Teach us how to praise Your name through every situation. Higher the praise, the deeper the worship. Lord, I know You've got so much intimacy, so much depth waiting for us if we would just learn to praise Your name above every situation. Amen. Hey, can I quickly, um, at the beginning of this year, we we ran a a, a thing called Worship Leadership Master Sessions. Uh, It was in February, probably the best thing we've ever done. Really, really awesome day. Six days of worship leadership master sessions. This is 30 years of ministry and experience that we tried to force into six days real leadership stuff. And so we're running them again for three days, 23rd to the 25th of August. Can you please go to um, Worship Leadership Master Sessions Facebook page and check out the event there? We would love to see a bunch of people there, man, sending leaders, really, really investing into you guys as leaders. Is that cool? And we got, um, both Libby and I have got books and stuff out there. Please go and take a look at those. (sighs) Thank you for your time.